Hey everybody, welcome to Android App Addicts episode 580. In this show, we are not going to hear from Joshua Dennis, but if you want to get your fill of some Josh, it's very simple. Open up your podcatcher of choice and just search for podcasting for value. That's the number four. And you will hear Josh explain his endeavor into how to create a podcast from scratch and how to follow the value to value model. Now, let's not hear from Josh. Welcome to episode 580 of Android App brought to you on the Podnuts Network this Thursday, the 27th of January, 2022. Have you got the Android app fever? Do you want more Android cowbell? Then don't fear the reaper. We've got the podcast vaccine for you. Of course, all this pod Android goodness wouldn't be possible without the generous help and support of our long-suffering Patreon supporters. And today we want to make special mention of Mike Dean. Many thanks to you, Mike, and, our, and your generous support of this channel since October 2017. My name is Ivan Davies, and I'm coming to you today from what is now known as the Soviet Socialist Republic of Jacinda Stan. We are in lockdown here in New Zealand, uh, enjoying a lovely summer, though, while we wait for uh, COVID to come and put us all in hospital. Speaking of unwelcome diseases, Josh is again unable to uh, join us today. He's lubricating his chainsaw, but of course, the ever-dependable door-to-door geek himself, the COVID survivor, Mr. Stephen McLaughlin, is with me on the other side of the dateline. G'day, door. How's it going? Hey, Ivor. Uh, it's going, I'll say, okay here. Um, yeah, Josh tested positive as well. So at this pace, I tested positive about 20 days ago. So Josh just tested positive. So in about 20 days from now, you should test positive. That's my theory. Because you got to have a theory. <laughs> yep. I'm looking forward to getting this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll say it's been I'm fairly... I'm missing out. I'm the only one who hasn't got it. Right. It's been fairly quiet around here is, is the way that I'll put it. Um, my son, I will do a quick like hardware update um, to uh, paraphrase Miracle Max. Uh, my son didn't kill his phone, but it was mostly dead. Um, and by that, what I mean is he repetitively would not stop taking it in the bathtub with him and just laying back, you know, watching YouTube in the tub and once in a while dropping his phone in the water. Um, and it was a, like, a, you know, a cheap $180 Motorola G phone. And he would drop it in the tub. He wouldn't tell me about it. An hour later, I would wonder why the phone wasn't working right. So I'd take a hairdryer to it for like five minutes, let it sit overnight, plug it back up. Next morning, it would charge again. He's done it like three times. Uh, well, this last time, he took it to school. And when he got home, it was at 1%. And then we plugged it up and it did nothing. So hairdryered it, left it alone for now two days, plugged it up today at three o'clock. It started charging again. So just because your phone is acting dead, it, it's only mostly dead until you're like absolutely positive that it's dead. Yeah, well, I'm, I've done, I'm guilty of the same crime. I have taken my phone into the bathtub and dropped it in the bath. Fortunately, it is a waterproof phone. So uh, once I got it out straight away, it was okay. But I still did have some trouble. It did get some, I uh, still had some dampness in the um, USB slot, the, the charging slot, and um, the phone detected that and uh, it would only charge on trickle charge. For some reason, yeah. Um, but after a couple of days, it dried out and that was fine. Right. Um, one thing I was surprised at my old LG V30, which is quite an old phone by now, I think it's like seven or eight years old. Um, I gave that to my daughter and she's using it. She did the same thing, dropped it in the bath, mm. and um, I wasn't sure whether it was waterproof or not, and it is. 
So uh, I was very, uh, very impressed with that as well. Yeah, that's good. And I said to my son, I said, look, I'm going to tell you to stop taking the phone into the tub. Now, if you want, we can get a junk phone, put it in like a Ziploc bag if you want, Bluetooth connect to the phone, and we, then you can take it in the tub. But otherwise, you know, no phone in the tub. Yeah. yeah. But I, you have a thing that goes across where you can stick your phone on? Nope. And I'm sure if there was, he would still knock it off because I love my kid. <laughs> um, this morning, this morning he was walking out the door, walking down the very same step he's walked down a couple thousand times. And for no reason, I watched him fall nearly flat on his face. Now he literally had like a road rash on his palm. Um, yeah, nice. So I just picked him up, brought him in the house, washed it off, put a paper towel on it. I said, go to school. Never underestimate the ability of children to destroy something. Including themselves, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Fizwa Walifa in the chat room says, remember the life-proof brand of cases that are truly a waterproof shell? Yeah, they were good. I never actually had one, but I did hear about them. I also uh, have a, um, a waterproof case, which I've never used. Right. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of the waterproof cases. They were jai friggin' gigantic, if I remember correctly. They literally would, like, triple mm. the thickness of the phone. Um, and I'm to the point now where I don't even want a case on my phone, much less a waterproof case. Um, so maybe that's something we can look into for him for his next phone, because the wife's already talking about buying him a new phone. His birthday is Valentine's Day, so, you know. Hey, that that might happen. Any excuse to buy a new phone? Yeah. What do you reckon you'll get him? Something cheap, because he's going to break that one too. <laughs> um, it's true. I did actually have like one hardware thing I wanted to talk to you about, just to see your feeling about it. Uh, and the real reason is most of the people I know who have Android devices, and by that I mean like easily ninety percent of the people I know who have Android de devices do not have Android Auto in their vehicle. Um, and I'll say, and I have very like mixed feelings about it. Um, this device is being put out by Motorola. It's called the Motorola MA1 review. Now I mistook this thing completely from what it was until I actually sat down and read it. What I was hoping was this would be a dumb device that you plug up to your car and it mimics an Android device. So then that can be your Android auto. And then you can still do whatever with your phone without using battery or anything else. And that would be a dedicated in air quote Android auto um, piece of hardware, because currently you have to plug a phone up to the car to have the screen show Android auto. Um, because Android auto is different than Android automotive. They're two completely different things. So what this device is, it's a small dongle, almost looks like a TV dongle. You plug it up to your car that already has Android Auto available to it. And then all this device does is it allows you to connect wirelessly Wi-Fi from your phone to this device to have Android Auto running. So it's still going to use your phone. It's still going to use your phone battery. Your phone's not plugged up, so it's not going to get a charge. And it costs 90 bucks. So I don't know who so, in the hell would want this. Yeah, I'm trying to find a use case for it. But so... So it's just really a um, wireless receiver for your phone to go through your radio. Basically, yeah. And it in and like even if you look at their use cases at the very bottom of the page, they have like pros and cons. So hypothetically, if you get in your car and take like a lot of frequently frequent small trips, like literally a mile down the road back, two miles down the road back, two miles down the road back, like in a day, well then this could make sense. Because then you don't have to worry, in air quote, about plugging the device up. You can just keep it in your pocket. But if you're like a long-haul driver, this thing's going to kill your battery. 
and and you're already driving so what's the point so it to me it's one of those things if you're the passenger of a i don't yeah i don't know it just seems and in 90 bucks for this be nothing more than a wi-fi bridge i swore it was going to be 30 bucks yeah yeah it's expensive isn't it well and in my opinion this is strictly my opinion when i picture companies that overcharge when i picture companies that like to have high profit items i don't think motorola no no definitely not yeah so that's why this device really confused the crap out of me but it's one of those things if you make a lot of short trips and you're tired in air quote of constantly having to plug and unplug your phone then the motorola ma1 device would be a great uh present to get yourself yeah well i have um i don't have a screen in my in my car i just have a standard radio uh and I connect to that with my phone through a Bluetooth device that plugs into the into the cigarette light. And I, it also has a USB ca- uh, slot so I can charge devices on it. Um, it operates on the um, on the bandwidth, on the same radio, on the radio bandwidth. Just generates a radio frequency that my, my phone can attach to via Bluetooth and it just plays that. But there's an app that I use called um, Android Auto for phone screens. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's, um, it's Android Auto, but not for in cards like for your phone so you can use your phone as as this the the tv screen that you would normally have uh for visual android audio audio auto experience yeah now google did google did say like a month and a half ago to two months ago that they were planning on killing that um they were instead going to introduce basically an app called drive mode on your phone the hope is it will be more app uh compatible that's the one downside about Android Auto is the amount of apps you can utilize inside of it is quite low. Um, ba- basically, like Telegram, WhatsApp, uh, Signal, text messaging, uh, and then you just have the normal radio type apps, uh, YouTube Music, Spotify, um, and then, of course, your podcasting apps, and then like Waze and Google Maps. And like I literally just named like half of the apps that are available on Android yeah. Auto. Well, what else do you need? Well, I would love to have Voxer access from uh, yeah. that. But then you can, yeah, you can, uh, you can also use the Google Assistant to send messages. Uh, yeah, but it, it it only seems to work with those apps that are literally like almost genuine text messaging apps, like WhatsApp, Signal, stuff like that. I can't get it to work on anything that isn't like first and foremost uh, SMS, like text messaging. Yeah. Um, so what's what's happening in the world of Android? What got any news articles for us uh, there, Dor? Uh, well, I mean, um, the one I definitely want to talk about was about the new Pixel Notepad. Um, I do agree with I want to say it was Android Authority podcast uh, where they said they thought it was an absolute horrible name that reminded them of like old school Windows Notepad. Uh, they thought names like Galaxy Fold or Z Flip. Or those things were a lot more appropriate names to convey what the item is, and for the new Pixel device to be called Notepad, which I do, which I want to say, they had leaks and then they had some sort of confirmation, but not from Google themselves that that's what it's going to be called, the new Pixel Notepad, which will be their first foldable device. Uh, nobody, nobody who I listen to believes with a lot of faith that it's going to be out in 2022. They think it's going to take at least till 2023 for it to come out. Um, and what they try to like they 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 try to pronounce as being good news is that they believe it's going to be more affordable than the Galaxy Fold. To which I'll just say, dear God, I hope so. <laughs> um, but they try to say that like that makes it like competitive. 
So that means it's like $1,500. That's not, no, it needs to be like $700, in my opinion, to get any actual traction. So remember that Samsung's latest foldable starts at $1,799 for its entry-level model. And the first foldable device arrived with a $2,000 asking price. Um, I just recently, yesterday, saw a video um, done by Tech Alter on, um, on YouTube. Go and check them out. They're a really good uh, channel for tech stuff, but, uh, in particular Android stuff. But Tech Alter did a, did a really good video on the latest Huawei foldable phone, which looks absolutely amazing. It's the uh, uh, same, same uh, sort of form factor as the uh, Motorola ones uh, and the Galaxy Z Flip. I think it's called, but yeah, um, yeah the, the Huawei uh, thing just blows those out of the water, from what I can see. It looks really nice. Yeah, and they nailed the hinge to where yeah. how the hinge butterflies back in means that they truly believe you can easily have 10,000 folds and there will not be a, a visible crease. And then um, the start asking price is about 1,800 euro. I'm not sure what that is in, in, uh, in the US, but I think it's pretty similar. I want to say uh, around 1,400. Uh, 1,400. So, yeah, I mean, everybody agrees that these will be not the future, not, you know, the like killer thing that's going to sell another, you know, billion worth of phones. I do think there's a future niche for them or niche for them, but I'm not sure how popular they're going to be overall, because if you can always, you know, just put down 200, $400 and get a cheap and air quote phone that in air quote just works and does what you want. And every app since the beginning of time has been programmed for that form factor. I don't know how popular foldable phones will be, but I will say I'm looking forward to them coming down in price and actually being, you know, fun to use. Yeah. I'm not sure how long they'll last. I think they will be here for a while. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people will want them and they'll do well. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they'll last as long as the, the dark slab has. Put it that way. Well, and like the question is, um, and now, is it, are they going to turn out to be like 3D television sets where they're non-existent, or are they going to turn out to be like racing steering wheels for video games where there's still people buying them, but you know, how many people do you know own them? Um, I don't know, but I, but I, <laughs> but I do know they're not going to be it. You're not going to walk around and see everybody around you with flippable and foldable phones. It, that that ain't going to happen. Uh, until Apple come out with the foldable iPhone, then everyone will want them. Well, even if they do, I guarantee you they're going to have multiple um, SKUs and they're going to have foldable and, and non-foldable ones. And currently, the newest one is $2,000 for their normal pro phone. How much do you think their foldable is going to be? Exactly. <laughs> I could buy a car for it, probably. Yeah, but I mean, you guys over there, you, you tend to just uh, buy everything on a plane and you pay, you pay for the cost of the phone with your monthly rental, don't you? Well, there are people I know who buy them outright, to which I just wonder, why do you have so much money? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, because that's kind of ridiculous. Um, I want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was at least one more news article I wanted to touch. And this is just I wanted to touch. I don't think I said this one last week, uh, but I mentioned how Android wants to be in air quote more places. In reality, it seems like it's Google that wants to be everywhere you are. Uh, the example I'll use is if you're in your car using Android Auto and, for instance, say, define steroids. It will then tell you what a steroid is, what makes a steroid a steroid, example of a couple. But then it will say, and if you want more information, you can check out this link will be on your Google Hub um, and on your Android device when you get to your destination. 
So they're trying to push their content like over the edge kind of thing. Um, to me, this was another example of that where um, it looks like we were kind of shocked when Google made Android available on Chromebooks. Um, you know, some of the apps, I will say, work really dang good on Chromebooks, and some of them are really awkward on Chromebooks. Um, yep. But I do think more the more that they became popular, the more developers focused their apps to be more capable on them. But it does look like um, Google is bringing Android games or Google Play games to Windows platform in 2022. Um, you know, with Microsoft making the huge acquisition uh, or attempting to make the huge acquisition uh, with, um, oh, God, not uh, oh, Activision. Yes. Uh, Blizzard, Activision. Yeah, yeah Activision, yeah. which is, which is like yeah, one of the... Billion or something like that. Right, right. One of the largest acquisitions in U.S. history kind of thing. It's ridiculous. This is Google saying... Anything you can do, we can do better. You know, just pushing their stuff onto onto Windows platforms. And I will say like this, there are certain games that will work gloriously well on a huge, huge screen. Amongst them, I'll say games like Pocket City. You give me Pocket City, which is to me a yeah. modern interpretation of old school Sim City, a little bit simplified with a little bit beautified. Give me that on a 32-inch monitor. Oh, yeah, that's some good game in there. I mean, here's, well, here's what I just keep thinking. This might, this will do nothing to help the amount of junk games being completely just dumped onto the Android platform. But I hope the inverse happens. I hope this helps, um, um, like, um, encourage in air quote real game developers to also be available on the Android app store. Uh, because I can see like certain games and I'll just say this certain games, certain game genres, especially games like MMOs, uh, being like extremely popular in that format. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Microsoft originally a few years ago when when Fallout Shelter first came out, they uh, they took an Android because it was an Android game and, and they um, they came up with a like a shell to, to you had to install some software first so you could play it uh, from their apps from their Play Store. Um, it seemed to work quite well. I tried it a few, a few times, but maybe they've refined it a bit more. Well, I mean, um, Microsoft has been dying to get on the mobile market since you know. Windows Phone, Kin Phones, buying Nokia, you know, all these things. They still haven't really made a really big dent. Um, Activision owns um, CSGO and like one or two other really, really popular mobile games. So this is going to give them a good, solid foot in the door with, with um, mobile gaming. But this, what Android is doing, might literally give them a small niche in the desktop gaming markets, which I don't think anyone could have foreseen even being attempted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good to see. Yeah. Um. The last oh. bit of news I have, I just have because I, it, uh, it has to be better than what we were given before with YouTube and YouTube Kids um service. Um. When YouTube Kids first came out, I tried to get my kids on it, and nothing was filtered. You could find horrible, horrible stuff on that platform. Um. Younger me. If time travel exists, it's going to jump out and punch me any second now. But they're doing a YouTube music with um, for kids, so it's supervised content. And dare I say, thanks to the PMRC, who set the ratings on music labels and music songs, it should be easier for this kind of system to be able to filter out, in air quote, adult music. To make sure that if your kid is using YouTube music, you can say, I do not want any explicit lyrics being presented to my kids. Now, 
Part of me doesn't want to be that over controlling parent kind of thing, but there, I will say there is a certain level of song that, yeah, not really cool for like an eight year old to hear, you know? Yeah, WAP or something like that. It's not, not yeah. So, I mean, it's, I have very mixed feelings about this app. It's good that this kind of app exists. I don't want to have to curate every single thing my kids listen to. I wish they could say, like levels of extremity, you know what I mean? Only the worst don't put on here. Uh, the example I'm going to use, and you go look for yourself, is Hank Williams the Third, not Junior. Hank Williams the Third has some incredibly offensive songs. Uh, in the title, I believe it has the word Dixie and the word country in the title. So if you just look Hank Williams the Third, Dixie and country, you'll should see exactly what I'm talking about. Where that kind of stuff, I could see not wanting a, you know. Eight-year-old day here. Oh, fair enough too. Actually, because um, I, I used to get, well, I get my Spotify subscription through my phone account. They provide it free, free. Um, but they just sent me an email the other day saying that they're going to uh, keep charging me the same phone, uh, you know, regular monthly charge, but then they're going to add the cost of Spotify onto it uh, at fifty percent. They're going to give me a fifty percent discount by doing something. Um, so I was thinking I might uh, have to switch to another music service. So I'm thinking, what do you reckon about uh, YouTube Music? Have you got? Um, I do, but I also have um, the YouTube um, Red Family Plan. So it's like two dollars per uh, two dollars and fifty cents per person per month. No ads, um, no banner ads, no bumper ads on YouTube. But also, I get no ads on YouTube Music, uh, where I believe if you do not have that plan, you will hear. I want to say it's like it's about on the same pace as Pandora. You'll hear ads, right? So, do you have to pay extra for YouTube Music as well as the YouTube? Uh, no, YouTube Music is free, but YouTube Music without ads is not free. Right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. if you're if you're comfortable with ads, then you're good. To me, the biggest pain in the butt about any music service is transitioning into it and getting it to understand what you like, kind of thing. Um. Like, you know, thumbing up, giving stuff, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down is the biggest pain in any, like, jump to a new platform. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I hate Spotify. It's, um, it's Android uh, user experience is terrible. Uh, the app itself is, is just really difficult to use. Uh, it never works the way you want it to. And, um, I'm, yeah, thinking perhaps uh, an alternative might, well, now that they're going to charge me, start charging me for it. I really don't want to start, start paying for it. So, um, see if I can find something else. Yeah. And I will say there were a couple websites, and I'll see if I can get them for next week. There were a couple websites that did work perfectly good in mobile web browsers to where you could literally um, put in a artist or a song, and then it would basically just nonstop play music. It would literally play like forever music. Yep. So, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, what that. happened to Groove Shark? Okay. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, currently, if if I were to use um, my own platform, which right now I have all my stuff on Plex, but it's not correctly organized, it would be 29 days worth of audio. Um, everything from, you know, Hank Williams Sr., Beatles, um, Sugar Hill Gang, like, um, you know, Zeppelin, all across the platform. Uh, 80s, one-hit wonders, all kinds of weird stuff. Um, I found a rather amusing uh, news article, which I, I sent around the box of chat. Um, I'll just put it in, in the chat here. Um, the Google Drive, this is still Google related, is now um, flagging in files for copyright infringement. Um, basically, what happened was 
an assistant professor at, at Michigan State University, um, started getting locked out of her files, which were stored on the Google Drive. And because she was a, a computer science uh, professor, um, she was storing, I think, uh, people's text file submissions in response to um, uh, to exercises that were set. And these files seemed to have only ones or zero, one or a zero associated with them. Uh, and um, Google ended up uh, basically copywriting the um, the file itself and restricting access to it and, and uh, taking it down. So um, I was uh, I was a bit surprised. Uh, so the files containing the digits 173, 174, 186, 266, 285, blah, 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 which were flagged by Google for copyright infringement. So it appears that Google has copyrighted numbers in its Google Drive storage. <laughs> they have come up with no explanation, um, but they say they are working on it. So it's probably fixed by now. So you well, had the sort of problem with Google Drive? Well, it isn't Google copyrights. I'm sure it's other people's copyrights. I'm sure they're taking the YouTube algorithm for detecting um, copyrighted material and just trying to apply that to Drive. Because I will say years and years ago, literally eight years ago, if I were to upload a movie to Google Drive with a proper name and then share that link out every week, Google would change what that URL was because they knew that is a copyrighted pirated thing. So then what me and my friends figured out was very easy. Just put your movie into a zip file with the password of one or anything, you know what I mean? Just the word password is a pat, 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 password. Put it on Google Drive, and then they would no longer detect it was copyrighted material. Um, but I will say they always have to allow you the ability to download it. I'm sure they might make you jump through more hoops, but they I definitely got to make it uh, you know, possible for you to download it because they can't prove that you don't have a physical copy of it. At least here in the U.S., through the DMCA uh, legislation, they haven't deemed it illegal for you to have a personal backup of media. Um, as long as you didn't break the encryption, if you just copy a DVD, the whole file, uh, it's still kind of legal for you to have that backup copy. And there's no nothing in the law that says you cannot save that to an external source. Okay. Well, I'm still, uh, still with Google. Got another, uh, another article here saying that they're working on a new Chromecast. I think this is a... Um, a watch the space kind of article. Basically, they're working on a new Chromecast with Google TV. It's codenamed Boreal, B-O-R-E-A-L. Um, seems to uh, work with uh, lower bandwidth and streaming high-definition content. So um, and I think it has more onboard storage as well. So some exciting developments to come, I think, in, in the uh, Android TV space as well. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to say they need a new device, because um, we, my wife does use the current uh, Google TV, Android TV, the newest gen version of it that just became compatible with uh, Google Stadia. Um, and she doesn't have, I'll say, a lot of complaints to it. But I will say every now and then you click something and it feels like you got to wait a little bit too long. Um, I, I do believe that they are trying their best to keep up with uh, Wi-Fi standards to uh allow for the inadequate best possible quality product um so what i'll say is when this becomes available i'm this is the kind of device i literally might take and gift to a friend or my sister-in-law or put on a different tv and then give her the newest one um as much tv as much movies as much um disney plus as much hbo max as much everything that she watches she should have something high highest quality possible is what i'll say and if you've got the bandwidth, 
um, you know, you've got the internet speed to do it, then why not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Currently, we have uh, gigabit speeds and we have the Linksys VLOP mesh network. I have three nodes. Uh, I can easily get 300 megs wirelessly on devices as, as long as um, they're of uh, proper Wi-Fi standards is the way I'll put it. Old devices, yeah. I have a hard time getting like 80 megs down. Right, okay. Just uh, got to keep buying the new stuff, don't you? Well, yeah, happy wife, happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. Yep. Use <laughs> the show title. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Oh, I just wanted to let you know. Also, I did a. Um, you know, last time I did a bit of a rant on the. Uh, I suppose on the on the, the lack of availability of useful Android apps, and I um, I've been trying to. Uh, try, I noticed been some changes in the Play Store as well. Sorry, that was me. Some changes in the Play Store. And um, I came across, well, I, I noticed that one of the changes is that you can, can no longer find any new release apps in the Play Store. You can't find any, any new ones. Uh, and I'm more interested in the new free apps and the new paid apps that are coming out. And um, used to be able to look those up, but now for some reason I can't. Um, so I went along to uh, App, Annie, App Annie's website and um, had a look at the new free, the top 100 new free apps that are coming out of that. And I did a bit of an analysis on on it, and it's some. I discovered something quite um, concerning. I found out that 33 of the top, of the hundred of the latest the 100 latest apps released in the, in the new Play, in Play Store were removed within days of being added to the Play Store. So 33% of of all the new apps added in the, of the, oh, sorry of the top 100 apps, the most popular ones. So 33 of them were taken off almost immediately. Um, seven of those, uh, seven of, of the remaining ones, so seven percent, were VPN services. Four wallpapers, six had to do with banking and finance related to specific organizations like credit unions and banks releasing their own apps. Um, you had exercise, you had three exercise apps, you had uh, some game guides as well. They seem to be a, a lot, there seem to be a lot of those. Uh, and not a lot of, um, there were 21 single apps in other categories, and they included um, things like casting to a, your, your screen to a TV, to-do lists. Um, and there was an app around uh, a particular podcast. There was a shopping app. There's PDF readers, MP3 downloaders, all the usual suspects. But I found it amazing that of the 100 latest apps that have been released on the Play Store, the top 100, 33 of them being new. Gotcha. Nope. No. No. <laughs> um, so... I don't know what it says about the Play Store at the moment. What am I not being able to see new apps because basically that Google doesn't want to show them to me because a good portion of them are going to be taken away um, within a day or two. Well, then all they would have to well, do is just turn the dial down and slow the speed down. Yeah, exactly. Issue, you know, what, what is happening with new apps? Um, I don't think they're the ones who are making money, or they're the ones that are getting the downloads. Um, and I will say more than if I had to guess, at least twenty percent of those that were taken down, um, somebody took a popular app, downloaded the APK, decompiled it, put their own name on it, inserted some ad thing, called it close to the same name, and re-uploaded it. Uh, oh, that, they're all dodgy, yes. Yeah. Well, I would, I would bet that's a high, extremely high percentage of them. The VPN things, it wouldn't shock me if they are, in some sense, malicious. Because um, for some reason, and this is what I don't understand. Okay, look, I know, you know, nobody thinks that they're stupid. Nobody thinks they're stupid. Everybody thinks they're smart, but like, if you have a close relative 
that let's just say has worked in the car dealership world for 10 years, okay, um, worked at multiple dealerships, understands how they work, and then of the close relative of them goes to buy a new car and doesn't ask the person, I'm looking for this kind of car, which dealership should I go to? What should I look out for? How do I know if I'm paying? Not a single question. That relative just goes and quite literally, they go to a dealership that's scummy. They take their friend with them. The dealer accidentally slams the trunk down on their friend's head, which causes them, the dealership didn't even call an ambulance to come pick them up. So it's like, why don't people, instead of just thinking they know everything, turn to somebody they trust and say, hey, you're a nerd, right? What kind of VPN app should I download? You know, nobody does that anymore. Everyone seems to think, well, I can do a Google search for it, or I saw this link on Facebook, so it must be good. Um, I don't get it. Um, so it wouldn't shock me, literally. VPN apps. There's still only like three of them I trust. I don't know about you. Um, you know, private internet access, uh, Tunnel Bear, um, and there's like two more. I can't remember the names of them right off the top of my head. But there are so many junk ones out there. I, I don't understand how they get no, how they get any traction except for people just blindly thinking they know what they're doing and downloading stuff that anybody in their right mind would not download. Um, and I will say years ago, literally 10 years ago, I was able to find a service that gave me an RSS feed, every app that was submitted to the play store and approved. And I had to get rid of that after it, it started to be around a thousand apps an hour. I just couldn't keep up with it anymore. Um, uh, granted, like, you know, a heavy percentage of them, if I were to intelligently get rid of all the uh, non-English ones, it, you know, I would have easily got rid of like 80% of them. Um, and then if I did a little bit more tweaking, I could have probably got it down to like 10 an hour, you know, 20 an hour kind of thing. But because of the nature of Google's open door policy, they believe we're let we're going to let everything in the door and then we're going to let our machine filter everything, look at everything after the fact. So yeah, like, seems to be what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be honest, this is part of the reason why out of the 500 plus episodes we've done, I cannot find a single app that we've ever suggested ever be taken down from the store for malicious content, except for, um, one file manager, um, that got sold it's off for ES file Explorer. That's the only one, yeah. but it did get put back on the play store after they cleaned stuff up. That's the only app. I've ever seen in my life that we can say we suggested and it got taken down. But um, in the ones that were removed, there were a lot of Squid Game mods for Minecraft. Uh, there are a couple of foreign language ones in Arabic, I think. There's um, quite a few uh, video projectors, video projector simulators. I don't know what the hell that does, but um, there are guide, game guides, all sorts of things. It's making it harder and harder to find new apps these days uh, that are actually any good. Well I'll, useful. well, I'll tell you, one thing I do is at least twice a week, I literally just go to Google on a full desktop browser. I don't think you can do this in a mobile browser, just still. Go to full desktop browser, Google, best Android app week, hit enter, get the results back. Then you go over to tools and then you sort and say, only show me links that are less than a week old. And then, and then quite literally, half of the first 20 links are garbage. But you learn to, oh, I'm not going there. Oh, I'm going there. Oh, I'm not going there. Oh, I'm not going, oh, I'm going here kind of thing. Um, it's like Android police, Android authority. And there's like three more people that every week when I look have at least a good supply of apps. I'm not going to say they're good apps, Ivor. I'm not going to lie to you. 
but I'll say they have a good supply of apps that at least they try to do some vetting too. Um, the difference is, is what I'll say is they have different priorities. Uh, it does seem like, to be honest, between us, there's friends here, 10% to 20% of all the apps that those kind of places suggest. I swear that like they're getting kickbacks. Like, please, please publicize our app and we'll give you a little bit of money because some of the things oh, they guarantee. say, yeah, because some of the things they say about these apps are completely, I don't want to say not true, but it seems like completely made up. And then you go look at the app and it's like, no, it doesn't look like that at all. It looks like garbage, actually. Kind of. Uh, anyway, that's my rant. That's Ivan's rant for today. Um, right. Would you have an email? Would you like to read that or shall I? Oh, if you want to, because I don't have it up. Okay. Right now, this, app, uh, this uh, email is from Steve Woodyet. I hope I've uh, pronounced that correctly, Steve. Uh, Steve says, uh, Hi, Adore, Josh and Ivan. It's been great to hear you back on the podcast again. I love listening to your show while I'm driving in the car and look forward to your friendly banter and app suggestions. I've recently discovered V Radio, which has been a useful addition to my apps. It's uh, very kindly supplied a uh, link, so I'll now post that in the chat. Uh, there it is. So I'm going to check this, this app out, V Radio. It's a free app with occasional adverts, which you switch between stations. Sorry, when you switch between stations, which you can play to remove, pay to remove, but I've not found them too obtrusive. The app allows you to listen to a wide range of radio stations, uh, with which you can search by genre, decade, station, or location. You can record the radio on here. It's been alarm clock too. V Radio has a useful widget which I've placed on my home screen, which shows the station, artist, and song, and allows you to play, stop, and switch between your favorite channels. There is a particular station which I have found called Exclusive Radio which allows you to search and play songs by specific artists or decades. I think it's well worth a look if you enjoy your music. Anyway, keep up the great podcasts, which I've listened to since discovering the show, and then listening back from the very first episode. Well, that's going to take a while, Steve. Um, but, yeah, that's a great suggestion, actually, now that I'm not, no longer um, going to get a, have a Spotify account. I could probably use this to um, to check out uh, some alternative radio music. Go back to the radio. Timing is everything, man. Timing is everything. Yeah, I'll say... Yeah, thanks uh, for sending that in, Steve. I'll say I love the idea of searching by decade. And, and the real reason I say that is because in Podcast Addict, you can say add radio station. And one of the radio stations I have added is literally called the Big 80s Station. Uh, and I don't know how, but they literally have no ads ever on it. And it is just 80s music. Most of it is 80s hits is what I'll say. But they they play obscure things every now and then. Um, and I like the idea of just now I'm in 80s mood. Um. But I do wish I had more choices available to me kind of thing. So I will download this. But I will admit, kind of like Josh uh, said in the email, the only time I really have time in air quote to listen to the radio is when it's background music, uh, when I have to do something that requires my attention. You know what I mean? Or it's just too loud, like mowing the lawn. Even if I have, you know, the best headphones I have on, if I'm mowing the lawn, I really can't hear the words of a podcast. So music is fitting for that. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it a go and see how, see how it goes. Very, very, very cool. Thank you for the email. Steve. Steve. Yeah, Steve. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> uh, have you got any apps for us there, Uh I definitely have some apps. Uh, there's one I wanted to bring, and only because Josh isn't here. Um, this is the kind of app I do think that he would at least find interesting. I don't think this is something he would necessarily suggest to everyone. That's the way I'm going to put it. Um, the app is called legion uh legion network okay um so legion network from legion network a business app 
50,000 E for Everyone does contain ads completely free to download, no in-app uh, um, purchases, uh, 4.6 average reviews of 51,000 reviews, um, updated January 16, 2022, 25 megs in size, half a million plus installs, current version 3.0 requires 4.0 Android and up content rating E for Everyone uh, permissions. It needs more than I would have su suspected. Location, photo, storage, camera, Wi-Fi, other. Okay. Uh, to read like the first couple lines of the description. The blockchain industry has grown incredibly over the last year, but most people still find it difficult to understand how blockchain technology can directly benefit them. With so many new terms such as non-fungible tokens, metaverse, DeFi, GameFi, the majority of people are being left behind in such a fast-moving industry. The Legion Network app and collaborative NFT marketplace combines all of these services into one place. Okay, This can manage your crypto wallet. It can help educate you on what is the metaverse, what is DeFi, what is Gamify. Uh, it will let you view NFTs via Bluetooth, NF, uh, uh, sorry, Blue Moon NFT marketplace kind of thing. Um, so what this app tries to do is the way I'll put it. This is door talk. This app hopes it is able to onboard you into a place where they you get you give them money in the hopes of you somehow making money. So they want to teach you what is the metaverse. They want to teach you what are these non-fungible tokens. They want to teach you what crypto are. They want to teach you what GameFi is and DeFi and GameFi and all that and be your crypto wallet at the same time. Um, I'll just put it like this. This is the kind of app, if you're interested to finding out the basics of it, use it as an educational tool. <clears throat> I wouldn't trust any one app to be my sole source of information on anything, anything, whether it is viewpoints on a politician or even sports scores. I don't trust a single solitary source for anything. Absolutely. I use each source independently as a source of information. Uh, so if you want to know more about non-fungible tokens, crypto, uh, you know, all this kind of things. This might be a cool app to at least get you in the door. I encourage you to then grow past this app and use something else. Yeah, interesting. Um, I kind of wish NFTs and crypto would just go away. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> they will. I mean, well, uh, crypto, won't. crypto won't, but NFTs will go away. Um, and the excuse I'm going to use is the same reason that people tried to tell me uh, about Bitcoin in the day, back in the day. They used to say Bitcoin will never be successful because nobody will accept it. Well, what those people didn't understand is the more a community does not trust the government that they're in, the more they trust cryptocurrencies. When trust goes up in the government, value in cryptocurrencies go down. I don't know a single government that has like continuously gained trust over the years. So cryptocurrencies are continuously gaining value. Now, NFTs are the kind of opposite as far as I'm concerned. NFTs are pointless bits of data claiming you own ownership over something that's not a bit of data. I don't care who says they own a picture, a digital picture. I don't care who says they own a highlight of Michael Jordan. I can't see how anybody would care about who claims ownership over a gif of a guy tapping his i don't i don't care who owns those kind of in air quote owns these kind of things because nobody owns them because all i gotta do is hit control c and control v and now i got it <laughs> 
So yeah, it just seems a bit of a scheme. But I don't know. Maybe it maybe it uh, it'll take off. But well, it just seems to me this there seems to be a lack of things that people are, uh, are able to invest in, and so they're going for the ridiculous. Well, okay, you are unbelievably close right there to what I deem as being the absolute truth. And to me, the absolute truth is uh, right now, everybody, everybody in a lot of countries have too much money and they're looking to invest in anything and everything. Hence, Apple's values off the charts. Microsoft is off the charts. Amazon is off the charts. Tesla is off the charts. All these big companies evaluations are mind-bogglingly numb, crazy, because people have too much money and they keep investing. So, they need a place to put their money. So whoever created NFTs, genius, because all they got to do is sit there and type a couple keys and they get money for generating these non-fungible tokens. Um, they're called cryptographic keys, not non-fungible token. They're cryptographic keys, you know, kind of like an MD5 hash, just more fancy, like with their pinky out, you know, <laughs> when they're making the token, they put their pinky out. Oh, so it's fancy. It must be worth more money. <laughs> Yes. So I just thought it was an interesting app. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so from interesting cryptocurrency apps to um, non-interesting uh, and not very useful apps um, for most of our audience, I'm afraid. Um, this app is called New Zealand Regions App. Now, I'm bringing it to you because um, I was actually really impressed with the way this was built. This is an app that was uh, built by our, the New Zealand Ministry of Business, Innovation and Enterprise. Uh, I think that's what it stands for, called Indy. Um, and it's an, a regional economic activity map. It's a really boring app, but it's actually really well done. It's a great example of what government can do when it gets too much of your tax money and feels it has to provide a technological service to, to reach out to the people in the country that it's serving. Um, so what this app will actually do is show you the uh, e main economic indicators for each of the regions within New Zealand. Now, I'm sure there are equivalent apps you'll find in America, but if, if there are Americans who are wanting to come and live in New Zealand, which I'm, I'm sure there are a few, I mean, Larry Ellison stayed here for a while, um, then you might want to have a look at this app and see you know, the kind of uh, salary you can expect to earn, um, how much that salary has increased or decreased in certain areas. Uh, if you want to come and live in, in the main centre of Auckland, you know, um, the, unemployment rates, the best neighborhoods, uh, lots and lots of data, and it's really, really well presented. Once uh, the government's done a great job in presenting information that people actually might find useful. So, um, it, you know, if you're at all interested in, in uh, how New Zealand is doing or, or the various different regions of New Zealand, um, come and check it out. Uh, and you might get some ideas for, um, for other apps you know, that you, you want to design yourself if you're into that sort of thing. So um, the current version is 1.3.6. It requires Android 4.1. It's rated 3 plus. It's 5,000 plus in stores, 27 megan size. Last updated on September 10th, 2019, which is a bit concerning because um, being a government uh, organization, you think they would be updating their apps. Maybe they've got a bit busy with COVID. But um, I think that the information in it is actually more up to date than that. But uh, it seems to uh, seems to work really well. Yeah, yeah. To put I was very impressed with it. Yeah, um, to put the propeller hat on, to quote, to paraphrase Steve Gibson, uh, the app probably doesn't need updating. The information is probably coming in via JSON or some REST API into the app. So yeah, it's yeah. probably easy for them to continuously update the information. I'm going to guess they don't see a need in air quote to update the infrastructure of the app just yet. Um, uh, uh, here's my one question. I will say whenever I hear economists talk about money, cost of living, 
economic status, you know, kind of thing. The one constant they believe that they could agree upon, which here's the thing. You put any two economists in a room and they're going to find things they disagree with. That's just how economists work. But most most economists do agree one of the things um, to compare across the world to make sense to people is how much is a price of bread, a loaf of bread? Because, you know, if the cost of living, you know, is like, you know, wow, these houses are twice as cheap. Well, yeah, but what if the bread is twice as expensive? You know what I mean? You have to like figure out how much it's going to cost to actually live, not just to buy a house, not just electricity, not just a car, not just rent, not just these things, but how much does it cost for like a loaf of bread? It's a good like measuring stick because I do see housing costs. And I will say like here, even in the States, it's weird. Okay. In Maryland, housing costs, let's say for one house could be half a million dollars. You go into Pennsylvania, it might be $300,000 for the same house. What they don't tell you is every year, instead of owing $1,000 in taxes, up there you're going to owe $6,000 in taxes. Or you can go to Texas, and that same house is $100,000. And there's no income tax, but you got to drive six hours to get to a grocery store. (laughs) You you know what I mean? So (laughs) when I see housing costs, to me, housing costs is a great thing to know. But it's really like, how much does it cost for a gallon of milk? How much does it cost for a loaf of bread? Because everybody can rationalize what that is and what they expect to cost to themselves. And then you figure out, well, the average salary is this, like New York City. Yeah, the average salary is like $180,000. But yeah, for a studio apartment where you can barely fall and not hit your head is like, you know, $3,000 a month, you know, kind of thing. So yes, the cost of living in, you know, New York City, you're getting paid great money. You're paying out great money too, but yeah, this is in 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 not you know, the obvious thing about this app is, of course, the backgrounds of the app are going to be beautiful. It's New Zealand, <laughs> so so serene. Yeah. Um, no, I just thought. Uh, well, obviously, they've they've got it outsourced to to an organisation that knows what they're doing. Otherwise, this would have been a lot worse. Um, so, whoever's done done the work on this app has actually done a really good job and. You know, I'm, I'm a, I used to be a financial analyst, so I had a bit of a thing about um, interpreting financial data on a graphical interface. It was one of my specialties. So um, whenever I see something like this, my, my antenna pops up, and, and I think it's a good example of how to, how to express economic and financial information to people who don't have that background. Right. Yeah, and I will say, I hate to say this, Eric in the chat had a great other reference. What about the Big Mac index? How much does it cost for a Big Mac in that area? <laughs> yeah. He's got a point. That would work. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't buy Big Macs anymore. Well, neither do I, but I know how much they sh- they about cost because they're, you know, garbage, sugary bread with crappy little meat patties and loaded with mayo and Thousand Island dressing. Get sick just thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, have a cheese sandwich any day. Exactly. Um, the next app I'm going to bring, I just bring it as a alternative, okay? Um, back here a long time ago, we interviewed the, I believe it was Belgian developer of Sleep as Android, which to me is still the premier sleep monitoring app, integrates with virtually every Wear device, or you could literally put your phone underneath the mattress and it could still detect, you know, snoring, rolling and waking up, getting out of bed kind of thing. It could still detect all that. This is just an alternative. Okay. Now, the the two reasons I'm bringing this is one uh to let everyone know it is made by one of the three I believe it is major betting distributors in the United States of America called Mattress Firm okay so this is a corporate driven app 
It does have in-app purchases, and the in-app purchases are literally letting experts, in air quote, see your numbers and giving you advice back, which Sleep as Android does not do. So this was definitely doing something different. This is called Sleep.com Sleep Cycle Tracker Smart Alarm from Mattress Firm under Health and Fitness. 18 reviews, not a lot, so this is a brand new app. E for everyone, in-app purchases, no ads, free to download, free to install, 2.8 average reviews, 18 total reviews, uh, not many at all. Updated December 3rd, 2021, 94 megs in size, 5,000 plus installs, current version 1.0.0.63, requires 7.0 Android and up content rating, E for everyone. The in-app purchases range from 8 U.S. dollars to 50 U.S. dollars. Uh, permissions, it's going to need permissions to a lot of stuff because it wants to monitor your sleep, but it needs photo, location, storage, microphone, phone, device ID and call information, and an air quote, normal background uh, information. So if you need an app to monitor your sleep, and right in the description, I love the fact, here's the thing, most apps don't clearly tell you what is a free feature and what is a paid feature. 99% of the apps out there hide that from you as a user, hoping you won't realize what's a paid feature until it's too late and they, and they have you locked in the ecosystem and then you pay. This one, they clearly say premium features, sleep coach, sleep challenges, doctor reports, data visualization, sleep history. So right there, they put it out there. These are the paid features. If you need more than seven nights of sleep history, you got to pay for it. Uh, under seven nights is completely free. Um, the free feature, sleep tracker, daily sleep score, personalized recommendations, smart alarm, and sleep goals. Sleep history under seven days. Now, I don't know if you know, Ivor, um, human sleep patterns are in a rolling about 90-minute cycle of, um, um, I can't remember what the first one's called, where there's not REM, but there's actually like slow eye movement. Then REM kicks in about like the 60 minute to the 90 minute mark. It lasts about a half an hour. And the real goal is that sleep experts believe if you are awoken at the end of that 90 minute cycle, you will wake up more refreshed, more happy, more relieved, more energized kind of thing. So that's what that smart alarm is supposed to do for you. You say you want to be woken up by six o'clock and it will find the closest time in the middle of the night. Well, you've been asleep. Here's your REM. Here's your REM. Okay. So we're going to actually wake you up at 535 because you'll feel the most refreshed. And I know a couple of people that swear that using that kind of smart alarm wake up feature has helped them in air quote, get through the day. So how does this work? Does it connect to your smartwatch or does it, you just use it on your phone? Well, it is can. It your phone listening to your breathing, is it? It can, uh, it, it, it can connect to uh, use your phone. I do believe in the beta program, they were able to at least say they had some wear device compatibility. But here's the whole gimmick. If you notice, it only had, um, you know, 5,000 plus installs. Okay, This is literally one of the top three betting distributors in the United States of America. So what that tells me is this is still early in the app. They're going to try to get everything, you know, fixed, everything tightened. All the, all the I's dotted and T's crossed, and then they're going to literally push this with every single bed that they sell. Well, look, in, instead of paying, you know, $1,300 for the bed, if you pay $1,400, we'll also include, you know, 24 months free of our sleep.com service, which will give you all these extra features. So in the next year, I can see this install number jump from 5000 to easily a million. 
especially yeah. especially if it's any good, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, just, uh, I was reading in the description there, it says uh, the Sleep.com app is currently only validated to support Samsung Galaxy S7, S7 Edge, S8, S8 Plus, S9 Plus, S10, S10 Plus, Note 8, Note 9, and Google Pixel 2 XL. But if you're using an unsupported Android model, you can now enroll in our beta program to help our sonar technology on a wide variety of phones at a much faster rate. But, so basically, if you haven't got a compatible phone, you go on the beta program, and it's the uh, sonar technology. I know, but Google Pixel 2, Google Pixel 2 XL, that's pretty random. I mean, how many of them are still out on the street? I think there can't be much. Yeah, no, <laughs> Pixel 2 XL. Yeah. A few of them out there still. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but that was one of the ones I wanted to bring up just because while it does have extreme corporate influence, I like the fact that they literally offered you, in air quote, you know, expert advice from, you know, a doctor, which I think is actually kind of rare, but good. I'll keep my eye on Because um, I, I just use my watch. I have um, the Huawei Health app, which uh, connects my Huawei watch, and, and that gives me a, a nice little map of how I slept over a week and over a month, you know, and last night. For one, um, these all these useful hints. So he didn't sleep very well last night. You woke up too many times. You know, don't drink so much water before you go to bed. That's <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I'm always a little afraid to install those apps because I know I don't sleep well. Next. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you, I'm always, I'm often surprised thinking I had a really bad night's sleep, and uh, the app says, "No, you actually had a pretty good night's sleep." Right. It wasn't too bad. But, yeah. Um, the next app I want to bring is called History Around You. It's by Positive Infinity. Uh, contains ads, offers, and app purchases. Basically, um, this would be a good one for uh, you guys in the States, not so much for me, because in our country, uh, we don't have a lot of history. Uh, basically, it uses your location to determine if there are sites of historical interest around you uh, in, in the local area. And um, so, last update, updated October 30th, 2021, size 5.8 meg, 1,000 plus installs, uh, current version 2.8. Um, in-app price, $3.29 per item. I'm not sure what the in-app purchases might be. Um, but, yeah, the uh, permissions, it uses um, location, obviously. Uh, and there are a few permissions, actually. It says Wi-Fi location. You run a startup, full network access, prevent device from sleeping with your network connections. So not a lot of permissions that used there. But the gist of this app is basically it will take your location and, and point out uh, areas of interest you might want to visit if, if you have a historical bent. Um, and uh, I think it does give you an option to to add uh, historical sites as well. Um, so yeah, if, if you're a history buff, check it, check this app out. It's um, it's well worth it. Yeah, I cannot remember what the name of the app is now, but um, the long and the short of it is um, oh man, now I can't remember the name of that app. There was the um, the makers of Pokemon Go also made the other app where you could um, um ingress. They made Ingress, oh, where it was GPS-focused, where you go around there. Well, the gimmick is, before that app, they made an app that would tell you where is the closest thing around you of historical significance. Um, and in the U.S., at least, all over the U.S., wherever you go, every now and then you'll see like a gray sign. And these are very unique-shaped signs, where they have like a little crest at the top and like little arches, and then it comes down. And they can contain, like, a paragraphs worth of text. And these signs are literally all over the U.S. And if you pay attention off of, you know, almost any main road, you'll see these signs. And if you do pull over and stop and read them, you'll find, oh, 
right over that hill, right there, you know, 3,000 people died uh, fighting the Revolutionary War or the Civil War. Or, or, oh, right over there is the very first place in the U.S. where the, the very first wood gasification car was ever made in the U.S. You know, kind of thing, where all these things literally happen around you all the time. And the that app was so accurate to the point that's where they first had the idea well we can take this and turn it into a gamification game and i cannot find yeah. it <laughs> says there this one has no ads which is good um and it has voice search options um, well the one you linked does say it has ads oh it just says no ads oh maybe you have to pay the ad not ads. no it says um, very no very ads. clearly history around you positive infinity travel Local e for everyone contains ads. Con- contains yeah, but then ads. in the description it says no ads. <laughs> well, I'm sure the description can say that, but I can also say I identify as a squid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me so let me see if I say because I know it was the people who made Ingress, but I also know the people who made Ingress were bought uh, and they like changed their name. So. Let me see. If I say Ingress Prime Nantech, that's the name, Nantech. And yeah, see, I don't see, all I see is Ingress Prime, Pokemon Go, and Pikmin. Um, Niantech made, I want to say it was called Pilot, where it's the same kind of thing. And these kind of things, I'll tell you, if you're in the wrong place in the U.S., like if you're in Pennsylvania, do not have this app installed. It will nonstop ping you because there's so much crap that happened here on the East Coast of the U.S. It's kind of insane. Uh, especially Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. I, I, I tried it uh, the other day and uh, found three locations of interest around me. All of them were walks, basically walks. And, uh, one of them was the um, a, a set of over 600 stairs. Mm. <laughs> it's about the most interesting thing that's nearby me. <laughs> gotcha. And I will say, if I did have a Wear uh, OS device, I do like the idea of this being integrated into that. Yep. Yeah, so so you don't have to... uh, app supports Wear OS. Yeah, so you don't have to pull out the full like phone in order to get your stuff. Uh, what I'm going to bring, I will say, you know, it, and, uh, some people will say it's like, you know, 10 years too late, but I'll say, well, it's here now. So if you are a fan of any of the Matrix movies, uh, some people don't acknowledge the second or third even exist. Kind of can't blame them. Uh, but this was, when I looked at this, it is a $4.99 buy here in the U.S., which is not like free as in cheese. But if you use the Google Opinion Rewards, you could probably have this money quite easily. Like right now, I have $18 in my Google Opinion Rewards uh, bank. Uh, it's called Matrix Code Live Wallpaper from .code Apps Personalization, 212 reviews, E for everyone. Again, $5 US, 4.6 average reviews uh, out of uh, 212 downloads, which is kind of high. Uh, 10,000 plus installs, current version 1.5. Requires 5.0 Android NUP, updated December 19th, 2021, 2.3 megs in size. That's pretty teeny tiny. Uh, uh, it needs basically no special permissions to run, which is the way this kind of app should be. That's the real reason I'm bringing it. It's very permission friendly. Uh, but with this app, you can literally change any setting you can possibly think of with a matrix code background. The one I liked that I didn't even think of was what to do if you're uh, low battery indicator happens. So you can quite literally say when my phone drops below this amount of battery, change the live wallpaper to this. So you can literally like step down the effects, step down the refresh rate, step down it to be a non animation one. If you even want, um, 
very easy to like change colors, very easy to make it from a real alphabet to the matrix, like quasi real alphabet kind of thing, uh, or, or, or anything in between. If your favorite color is magenta, you can make the color magenta if you want. Um, so yeah, incredibly customizable is what I'll say. And it's the kind of thing that really should have been available, you know, like 10 years ago. I mean, back in 1999, everybody had a matrix screensaver on the computer. Right. Um, but if you look at the <laughs> second, if you take a look at the screenshots at the second screenshot, uh, on the right hand side, it's kind of hard to see, but those are all the options that you can do <laughs> to the screensaver, which is, it is literally, it looks like at least like five full screens of options. So if, if you're like an, if you're like an option junkie, then you should get your fill with this app. I'll say now at least seven, seven full screens of, uh, customizations. I have to try it out. I, I did see this one, and I thought, oh, I never thought I'd see you bring a live wallpaper to the show. Do I think this must be a, an Android app addict's first? I will admit I do not bring many at all. Or an icon pack. Next, next up is an icon pack. Well, I, t- there's more shockers around the corner is what I'll say. <laughs> okay, well, today is my day for useless apps. Uh, and this one, I've got to bring a, a open source F-Droid app. This one's called Tempus Romanum. It is a Latin date generator with a widget. So there is absolutely no practical point to this app, but I just thought it was uh, quite a cool app to have. Basically, you enter a date into the field, and it will tell you how to say that date in Roman, in Latin. And uh, it will give you its um, Latin, Roman numerals equivalent as well. Uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Shows you exactly what the... Um, what the words are in Latin, and then the uh, the Roman numerals for that particular day. So you can enter in your birthday, or mum's birthday, or your wife's birthday, and figure out what it is. Um, um, this is the sort of thing you find on on F You do know that you know Christianity kind of won, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, Constantine. <laughs> it's year twenty twenty two because you know they said it was. Hey, Latin's not dead. It's coming back. Okay. Um, again, mine, mine is even more pointless for you as that one you just brought was for me is the way I'll put it. So now we, we have a challenge going on. This is like dueling banjos. Um, this app is called Points, P-O-I-N-T-Z. Part of the reason I bought it, I'm not going to, or, or, or I brought it was because it ends in a Z. Not going to lie. I'm a little biased there. Okay. Uh, points, P-O-I-N-T-Z. Points Mobility Inc. Maps and Navigation, not Android Auto compatible, I'm 99% sure. Uh, you'll see why later. Uh, 10 uh, reviews, E for Everyone, does contain ads, which I do believe you could buy to get rid of. Uh, 3.6 average reviews, again, only 10 reviews. Um, updated January 22nd, 2022. Uh, so this was literally updated like last week. Um, 112 megs in size, 500 plus installs, current version 1.0.13. 6.0 Android and up E for everyone permission. This is going to need some information. This is going to need phone, device, location, storage, photos for some reason, Wi-Fi, and other access. What this is is a custom shareable bike route application. And sorry, Eric, rewind. This is points. P-O-I-N-T-Z. <laughs> okay. Uh, what what this is? This is able to track and share. Uh, what you consider to be like custom bike routes, like pedal bicycle routes. Uh, I will say I do know two people that did complain about using Google Maps and bike 
maps was incredibly uh, inconsistent, is the way I'll put it. With this one, when you ride a bike trail or a shortcut, you can rate how good of an experience it was. Is it bumpy? Is there, you know, a dog that chases you? You know, is there, is it a bad experience or is it a good experience? So you could literally rate it yourself and see what other people rate these bike shortcuts to be. So if you are a pedal bike person and you love to bike around and you need better maps and better like shortcuts, better trails you can take, I definitely encourage you to check out P-O-I-N-T-Z points application. And I'm sure you find this app completely useless, Ivor. Yes, certainly do. Um, but there are more and more people buying electric bikes nowadays. And um, with more people on the road on electric bikes, it's good for them to know where they're going and, and to have alternative routes so they stay out of the way of my, my great big ute. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> wait for those prices to come down because some of those electric bikes are really nice. Yeah, yeah there's some really good ones you can buy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I'm able to, I might have to see if I can buy one. Yes, yeah, I, I did see this one on, on the uh, and new app releases, and I thought that's a really good idea. It's actually quite a useful, useful idea for a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of people in my country are actually very keen on cycling. Gotcha. So, um, yeah. uh, speaking of my country, um, we've got another New Zealand app here. So um, we're, as you know, enjoying our, our summer, and there's lots of uh, seasonal uh, fruit and vegetables and things. This is called Eat Seasonal Australia and New Zealand. Now, what I like about this one is it actually is a seasonal food guide that's relevant to my hemisphere, which is really hard to find. <laughs> so if you're looking for um, uh, ideas about food and vegetables, like fruit and vegetables that you want to eat that are seasonal, um, then this this is a good app to use because it shows exactly what's seasonal. It goes right down to the, the week and the, and the, the month. Um, and then it will give you recipe ideas as well. So um, this one was released by Chris B. I don't know who that is, but um, it's pretty good. The uh, last update on August 13th, 2020, 47 meg, 5,000 plus installs, Android 5.0 and up. Uh, I don't know it's free plus for coverage 1.3.2. Uh, missions, needs location, Wi-Fi, uh, and other ones, network uh, access, network connections, data, long start, etc., etc. Um, I tried it out for a while. I thought it was really good. It was a very good uh, user interface. Um, and it just gives you a great idea about what to look for if you're looking for cheap seasonal foods that you can pick up in the supermarket or market. There would be obviously equivalent apps for the Northern Hemisphere, but this particular one is pretty good for the Southern Hemisphere. Well, and that's what shocks me. If you would have said, Dor, find me a good app to tell me about my local seasonal food, I would not have suggested this app. Because clearly in my app store, it says Eat Seasonal-USA in Canada is the name of the app. And it's, yeah, the exact link you put there, that's what it says. And then it says, find out which fruits and vegetables are in season in the United States and Canada, helping you make choices that can help reduce your environmental impact, improve your nutrition, and reduce the amount you spend. Oh, there you go. It's both. It's, it's an international one. There you go. Yeah, so if you want to now see, the only way I would have known is if I would have literally turned on my, like, Mozilla VPN I have on my desktop because I support Mozilla because nobody else does. And then if I were to say, pipe me out of Auckland and then load this app up, I would have seen Eat Seasonal New Zealand. Yeah. Damn. Very good. There you go. Okay. Uh, We've definitely been going a while. So I'm going to now scroll down and pick what I consider to be among the best of the best apps. And what I'm going to say is, okay, I'm going to give this one because this is ultra nerdy. Um, 
there is a lot of functionality that a lot of apps and a lot of Android operating systems hide. And they don't hide them on purpose, but they hide them because I think they think people are too stupid. This is too complicated. Just make it easy for them. Uh, go with the default and, you know, and it will work out just fine kind of thing. Uh, this app takes a completely different approach. This is called Bluetooth Commander Pro by Marak Masar. Close enough. Uh, under tools, 34 reviews, E for everyone, no in-app ads, no in-app purchases. It's only compatible with some of my devices. It says uh, $2.49 US. Uh, I'll explain why I think it's actually worth the money. Um, 4.7 average reviews out of 34 eligible for the family plan updated December 28th, 2021, 1.9 megs in size. That's tiny. 1000 plus installs. Current version 7.5 requires 4.1 Android and up content rating again, E for everyone permissions. This is going to need some locations, especially Bluetooth, but it, it asks for GPS, uh, access and normal Bluetooth in air quote access. Um, the first line of this description, I think put it in good. Bluetooth Commander is a Bluetooth terminal app for managing low-level communications between your Android smartphone and Bluetooth devices, one or multiple, such as microcontrollers, Arduino processor boards, or other Bluetooth terminals. Application allows simultaneous connections to multiple devices with traffic diagnostic functions and other, uh, and contains interfaces for creating database of user defined commands that is a hell of a lot to take in right there uh unless you are an extreme nerd one would say um if you need to literally do diagnostic evaluation of your bluetooth connections if you're literally programming things like towards your arduino and you still want to have your bluetooth headphones running at the same time you can then use this to connect to multiple bluetooth devices and literally hand massage by literally sending opcodes via Bluetooth to your other devices. Um, this is like the hacker's paradise, in air quote, of Bluetooth tools that I've seen that doesn't require root. That's the one thing that really shocked me. Um, this is like, this is the way to literally do anything you want over a Bluetooth connection that you didn't even know was possible, whether it is just accessing uh, your Xbox controller interface when you're connecting your Xbox controller to your phone, you can literally access that interface and tweak it to make it, you know, how you want it to be. Or if you want to send custom codes over to your home automation system, uh, this is how you do it. That is seriously geeky. Yeah. I mean, this is really hard getting <laughs> more geeky than this. And um, the real reason I bookmarked this again, a very selfish reason, a good friend of mine, uh, Brett um, started his own business of selling isolated you don't have to connect to the World Wide Web, isolated RV automation tools to where he can put a screen on the middle, uh, on like the inside of the RV and control all kinds of things all over the RV with simplicity. And this is the kind of app I'm 99% sure when I show him, he's going to perk up and be extremely happy and pay the 249 and download the app and abuse it more than I ever possibly could. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you saw to get out of it, but I'm sure a lot of people was. Yeah, I'm sure some people would, is the way I put it. Um, okay, so now that because we don't have, this is my last act, and because we don't have Josh here, I thought I'd better bring one uh, in his tradition of reading crap apps, um, which he always manages to find. And um, so you were talking about uh, nerdy apps before. This this is one of them. I've been going on a bit of a James Bond movie 
uh, binge lately, watching up, watching all the old James Bond movies, which are great, by the way. Um, and I found this particular app on the Play Store. It's called James Bond Locations from Ormsoft. Um, it's uh, at last updated October 7, 2021. Size 23 meg, 1000 plus in storage requires Android 5.0 and up. Current version 1.0.8, rated for 3 plus. And that product's $2.79 per item. Um, of course, that's New Zealand. Uh, and so basically, the premise of this app is if you're watching a James Bond movie and you want to find out where a particular location is in a, in a movie, it will tell you all the details about where that uh, where that uh, particular location is in that particular movie uh, and um, give you all the details around the movie and, and particular uh, location you're looking at. Um, so it's view, view location and apps launch and navigation to your chosen Bond landmark. So you can actually go and visit them. You can log your visits there, upload visit photos. So if you go to the location site, you can take a photo, upload it in the app, uh, view the location details, share location details, browse locations by movie or by country. Um, some of the features planned future uh, releases, and this is the one to keep an eye on, uh, video uploads. Um, <laughs> that'll be interesting. Search for nearby locations, uh, air, offline mode, and, and new location comment alerts. With, you know, you know. Just a bit of a uh, fun app, which... Um, which, if you like James Bond movies, and let's face it, who doesn't? Um, this is one you might want to have a uh, check out. Right. Well, James the Bond three things. Well, the three things I'll say is I know where two of the locations are. One, Arecibo yeah. telescope that crashed. Um, two, the moon, because you know that's where the one was. Um, moon racket. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the three, the most important things I have to ask you is who is the best Bond? Well, yeah, it's got to be uh, Roger Moore. See, to me, I go back and forth when I watch them. Sean Connery only got better looking with age, is the way I'll put it, and just charismatic. But Roger Moore, and Roger Moore wasn't in very many. I want to say he was only in three, but he was in, you know, he was in, I think. Roger Moore, he was in heaps. I think you mean Timothy Dalton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right. Timothy Dalton was only in like three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, the early, early Bonds, like, they were okay. But then I think uh, Sean Connery stepped it up a notch. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt Sean Connery was was a damn good Bond, but he had his flaws. And and um, there's also uh, Roger Moore. He started off well, but he got a bit silly and a bit old later on. But um, and so he put the two side by side and say Sean Connery was definitely a better Bond actor, a better actor and a better Bond. But I think Roger Moore, he was the Bond I grew up with. So yeah. for me, he was he was always he was always going to be James Bond. Yeah, and without sounding dumb, the budget of his movies were more, which allowed the character to be more. More, get it? <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. For um, oh, Eric just posted a really bad uh, joke. What time does Sean Connery play at Wimbledon? Tennis. Yeah. Uh, you're looking for hot shingles when, uh, you know, you're looking for a roofer in your area. You're looking for hot shingles. Um Okay, I'm going to lie. I, I, I lied. I'm going to bring one last app, and only because this is the kind of app that everybody might find useful, okay? Because this is 2022. I don't know how many places you call anymore where you get a busy signal, but it's possible, um, especially if the place is being overwhelmed with phone calls. I have gotten a busy signal a couple times in the last year. Uh, this is a completely free app, uh, free to download. Uh, no in-app ads, no in-app purchases, no nothing like that. Uh, auto redial, fast and easy. Redial made easy by the Coding Owl uh, communication app. 
uh, E for Everyone, 1,077 reviews. Uh, again, completely free, 3.2 average reviews. Uh, updated January 6th, 2021, 3.1 megs in size, 100,000 plus installs, 5.1.1 version, 4.1 Android and up. Permissions, uh, contacts, phone, device ID, other, because this is a automatic redial app. So basically, if you call somebody, you get a business signal, you load up this app, you hit redial, and it will just continuously nonstop redial until it does not get a busy signal. Cool. Yeah. Um, when I was at physical work there for a while, I really made a lot of people around me mad because I would follow protocol. I knew you could not send a username and password in email. It's against policy. They would only give us an email address and a phone number. So I would send these people the username and email, and then I would turn my speakerphone on, and you would hear the dial tone, and then I would, like lightning fast, I got 911 area code, phone number, boom. And if I didn't get a person, I would then hit the speaker, hit the speaker, nine, four, and then start dialing again. And then the people around me were like, oh my God, will you stop trying to call that person? Well, I have to give them their email or their password. So I would literally sometimes sit there and just type like that for an hour straight. And the people around me would go crazy. They threatened to file grievances on me. Good, file grievances, do my job. Um, kind of thing. Um, to where my boss said, why are you insisting on calling these people? I says, well, policy states, I have to give them their username and password in two separate mechanisms. They can't be on the same thing. I can't send an email with a username and then an email with a password that breaks policy. I'm not going to break policy. Bosses got so mad at me. Finally, they just gave it to somebody else who would break policy. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you need to call somebody up and you're getting a busy signal because they either they have an extremely archaic system or their system is extremely overwhelmed with the number of calls. Check out auto redial, all one word, fast redialing made easy. The real reason I'm suggesting this app is like 20 apps that all rate higher than this in the Google play search results, all have in-app purchases or ads or cost money. And none of them do anything special that I could find different than this app, which has no in-app ads, no in-app purchases, and it's completely free. It works in my country. I don't see why it wouldn't work in any country because all it does is just access your phone yeah. system and dial and, and press redial, basically. Try this next time. I'll try to get through to the doctor. Well, is it better than trying to get through to meatloaf. <laughs> you know, uh, Louis Anderson and Betty White were sitting down to dinner and they said, well, what do you want for dinner? And Louis Anderson said, meatloaf. <laughs> That's terrible. Too soon. Too soon. Nah, Betty White would have laughed. Yes, she would yeah. Oh, well, uh, should we run through the apps? Sure thing. Okay, so first app came was VR, V Radio, online radio player and radio recorder by, oh God, Volumiotis Ionis. <laughs> Sorry, I butchered that. Um, next one was Legion Network by Legion Network. Then we had a New Zealand Regions app by NDIE, uh, sleep.com, sleep cycle tracker smart alarm by Mattress Firm. Uh, then we had History Around You by Positive Infinity. We had the Matrix Code live wallpaper by Dot Code Apps. We had Tempus Romana, a very useful app from F-Droid. Uh, Points, Points Mobility Incorporated. And then we had Seasonal Australia, New Zealand and Canada and USA uh, by Chris B. Then we have a Bluetooth Commander Pro by Marek Mazar, 
and James Bond locations. Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, James Bond locations by Ormsoft, and last but not least, Auto Redial, Redialer by the Coding Owl. Got about eleven apps there by my count. Very cool. Which is a huge list. Huge. Um, if people want to uh, chat with you, Ivor, what do you suggest they do? Uh, just get on the Voxer chat. Uh, get, install Voxer; it's free. You get the free version. Go on to uh, AAA, the, the Podnuts, and uh, you, can, you can talk to us on there. We usually have a good old conversation about all sorts of things every day, not just Android stuff. Uh, or you can send a, an email to um, what is it? AAA at Podnuts.com. You got it. AAA at Podnuts.com. Simple, easy to remember, uh, and easy to type. You only need to have like you know half of your keyboard working. Exactly. Yep. Um, and if you want to send us a voicemail, it's very easy as well. Um, Seven zero six Podnut is the phone number for that. Uh, I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for coming out. Uh, again, if you want to join us live, it's very easy. Join us on Discord. Join us on Twitter. Join us on Facebook. Uh, we send out information like that. If you do not want to join any of those networks and you want to know when we go live, you can also join YouTube and hit subscribe, click the bell and all that stupid stuff. Uh, or you can just say, uh, send an email and say, hey, Dor, can you send me an email when you go live? And I'll do my best to send you an email telling you that we go live. That's one of the things we do. Uh, again, to support us on Patreon is super easy. It is literally just patreon.com slash Android app addicts links in the notes. Um, and, to, and if you want to suggest show names, like what should this episode be called? The easiest way to do it is to join us in the YouTube chat and say something during the show. You know, kind of like Eric said, his name was Robert Paulson. Why? Because his name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. Exactly. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for coming out. Uh, this might have been like the highest uh, activity chat I think we've ever had in this show's history. Uh, yeah. If I were to start at the very top, I would say thank you, Eric. Thank you, Red. Thank you, Thiz. Thank you, Captain. Thank you, Swift. Thank you, um, uh, Spork Saber. Pause. Timeout. Spork Saber. Uh, Spork Saber is one of those guys that I don't think a lot of pod nuts people know about. Um, but he's the kind of guy that I can say he gets me, um, me and him and red and a good friend Holtz or Tracy Holtz. And, um, Oh God, I can't remember the other guy's name. I got his book right over there. Um, we did a podcast called pod brewers where we talk about beer. Um, Tracy was my expert telling me about the history of beer, how it was made, when it was made, why it's made, different types of beers. And Spork Saber was the other expert on the show who knew like so much. It was insane. Um, so those are the kind of guys that they're on my kidney team. I'll just put it that way. Spork Saber calls up and says, Dora, I need a kidney. I'm getting, I'm going to get a blood test because Spork is not going to die because I, I, if I have a kidney that he can have, he'll have it. So Spork, even though he already left, it was great to see you. Thank you for coming out. Oh, so we also had Swift, join us uh and we also had orion join us and i believe that might have been it but i might have missed oh josh came out too um so i want to thank everyone for coming out thank everyone for participating thank everyone for supporting us because of you i still firmly believe we are among the top tier podcasting um places that is completely ad free and it's only because you guys allow us to do it so thank you again Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for chatting with us. Thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for supporting us by telling other people, hey, you need to check this podcast out. That is the number one best way to support any podcast. So, Josh, hopefully I'll see you next week. Ivor, hope you have a good week, sir. Thank you, Joe. Joe, you too. 
You too. And, um, and uh, we'll do it all again next week with Josh. Right. And next week, unplug your microwave. That's just a suggestion for me to give. Yes. All right, guys. Take it easy. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.